W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast, the place where health and consciousness connect perfectly, perfectly healthy, healthy and tone radio, 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 radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And now prepare to get fat. What's up, peeps, and welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned. And this episode is being brought to you by PerfectlyHealthyAndTone.com. Good episode today with Andrew Skopik on the importance of a holistic home. Before we get into more detail about that, I wanted to remind you of the previous podcast I did with Carol K. Truman on her book, Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die. I talk a lot on that podcast about some of the feelings that I struggled with over the years and how I was able to move to the other side. So I truly recommend that you go back and listen to the podcast with Carol K. Truman. But today's episode again is with Andrew Skopik on the importance of a holistic home. I know a lot of you who are listening to this podcast are putting the right foods into your bodies and kind of doing the right things when it comes to exercise. But what if it's your home that's making you sick? I know that I myself wasn't aware of a lot of this and now I am more more aware and I wanted you to be on point with it as well. So Andrew goes into some things that he discovered in the home that can be making us sick. And Andrew himself suffered with this and became a little bit more intuitive about his surroundings. And you'll hear a lot about that in the podcast today, the importance of a holistic home. Before getting into Andrew's bio, just wanted to give you a reminder that you can listen to this podcast on Blog Talk Radio or you can listen on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, I would love it if you left me a review. Reviews help me out so much. I've got a lot of reviews, but would love a lot more. So without further ado, let's get into Andrew's bio. Andrew Skopik's background is in kinesiology, physics, functional medicine, life lifestyle, clean living, buteco breathing, and corporate excellence. He has explored optimal health and the challenges associated with living a charged life in our modern world. He's on a mission to help those who are simply surviving to live a more passionate and joyful life. Here's what you'll learn on the upcoming podcast with Andrew Skopik and the importance of a holistic home. How are salt lamps used? Many years ago, I stepped into a meditation shop and saw my first salt lamp and I was very curious on how it was used and found out about that. But on this podcast, you'll learn why you may need some salt lamps in your home. What is feng shui? Andrew goes over this topic. I didn't know much about it, so I learned a great deal on this podcast as well. And hopefully if you don't know what feng shui is, you'll learn a little bit more about it. What is the importance of staying present with your symptoms or how to stay present with your symptoms? A lot of us out there are looking for cures or looking for healing. And Andrew talks about the importance of staying present with your system. What is the importance of pets in the home. I know on this particular podcast, I asked Andrew about pets and should we keep our pets or should we get rid of them? And Andrew gives a very good answer on this. Why you need to increase air quality in your home. And that is directly correlated with the question about pets. So pay attention on this podcast. And that's what you're going to learn on the upcoming podcast with Andrew Skopik. Enjoy the episode. Andrew Skopik, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you, man. I saw you on Facebook. I saw you doing a video. I think uh, Sachin, uh, whom I interviewed on the show probably last year, I want to say Sachin Patel, for those listeners who are out there, 
can go back to his podcast, but I saw where he shared your lecture or seminar that you were doing on a holistic home. And I thought that that was very important because I know that a lot of people out here are putting the right foods in their bodies, trying to do the right things, but they don't know that their home may be the focal point when it comes to uh, sickness or illness. And it may be something they need to change in the home environment before they can actually get well. But before we get into that, my obligatory question for everyone is, <clears throat> excuse me, is how they got into health. So if you can give us your story and just give us a brief synopsis of how you became interested in health and how all of this happened for you. Yeah, uh, thanks. Appreciate it, Darren. I mean, it originally started as far back in, in grade five when I grabbed my mom's dumbbell, started doing some wrist curls. It led into it led into high school where I actually used weightlifting and bodybuilding to really put my being kind of bullied a little bit. So I actually used weights and started learning about my body at a very young age. And that led into my final year of, of high school. I was inspired by a course in particular that I took called Bioscientific Perspective. And that, that professor basically showed a side of me and used me as an example of what's possible when you put your mind and body to work, always comparing me to those eating calf foods and cafeteria food and having cigarettes. So it, it felt really good. And so going into that final year of high school, I went into kinesiology and I took a science approach and with a minor in physics. But I think really where it all started after graduating university, I started experiencing joint challenges where I noticed my hands were really swollen and I started having aches, knees, uh, elbows, shoulders, my back. Literally most of my joints started to throb or ache, sometimes sharp. And then at around the same time, my mother actually became bedridden. And and after the doctors gave up on her and, and I tried to take her around to a multiple specialist, I then decided in my early 20s that I would start looking into natural health and healing. Mm -hmm. And um, as a part of that would be, I found it very interesting to, to look at products and technology and, and, other, and other purchasable items that might, worth, that might be worth trying. So that kind of began the journey. And clearly it continued on past that. And yeah. And you also... As I was researching for the show, studied FDN under, under Reed Davis, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. I actually did that. Uh, started that in my early 30s after struggling for a number of years with an un with an unknown illness. Still with my you know background and interest in healing, I had no idea what I was up against, and so instead of selling these clean living products as, as, as my venture, I realized that I was the product and I needed to, I needed to get right. So yeah, Reed Davis was the first instructor that I, I found my time with. And then I also studied under Paul Check as well, Holistic Lifestyle Consultancy, and continued there into the Buteco breathing method out of Russia, Konstantin Buteco, popularized for being able to eradicate breathing challenges in almost no time by retraining the breathing, the breathing rhythms and resetting the CO2 levels. Yeah, interested in medical Qigong as well. So I took a practitioner program there, became a certified health coach at HCI, and then actually became a high performance coach uh, from the High Performance Institute. And just found myself really getting ahead of 
whatever was the challenge at that time. Yeah. Sounds like you have a pretty well-rounded and a lot of guests that I have on are well-rounded. I've had Reed Davis on the show as well, and I haven't had Paul check yet, but hopefully I'll, I'll be able to get him because he inspired me as I know he inspired a lot of other people to kind of get into health. And he has that kind of take no prisoners attitude when he talks about health, which which really stands out and inspired me well way back. But getting into this, it seems like you took a lot of different avenues, but how did you come into studying about the home as a focal point when it comes to some challenges that people might face with their health? Well, it it was, I guess you could say it was a, a passion and a hobby of mine for a number of years. You know, I'd have people over to my place and they'd always just be so curious, like, how did you create such a such an, an energy here? Like from the salt lamps to the plants to the way I would clear clutter, the way I, I would study feng shui and, and see where the bed should be placed and where the, the doors needed to be. And so I just found it interesting because I'm a very energetically intuitive person. So I feel people in spaces very, very quickly. And and I, I was a bit of a homebody. I was an extrovert, but I was still very introverted. And I found that a lot of the work I could do in age regression and, and healing in, in my mid to late 20s, it really needed a special place, a place I'd like to refer to as a sanctuary. So that's kind of where it all began. And I started, you know, reading and studying and experimenting and, and practicing. But it all kind of hit me out of nowhere as these years went by in my early 30s where I was quite, quite ill. A number of, of systems were really bottoming out, including my hormones and my immune system, my breathing. And uh, I discovered that sort of the last leg on my toxin list was in fact mold. And it was discovered in my bathroom after hiring a team of specialists to just come and check my home because I actually left one day feeling like something in my home was affecting me since I felt significantly better only a short while after leaving my home this this sort of uh, this early morning on an October in October. So, uh, you know, many years ago, of course. So so that's kind of where I realized, wait a second, you know, I got these these beautiful clean living products, but yet lurking behind in the shadows, we had this entity that was really the, the last straw on the on on the back to, to finally break. So you mentioned two things that I don't think that people are really aware of unless you get what I call woke or deep and that is feng shui and you also mentioned salt lamps and I think that for me I found out what salt lamps were for but when I first when I didn't know anything about salt lamps I just think there were just some kind of decorations but talk about that and how that kind of helped you with the, the feng shui and what that is and why someone might even want to use a salt lamp? Well, there, awesome, awesome question. I mean, there's quite a spectrum on on salt lamps. I mean, you can get a a small lamp, a small lamp that actually sits right even by side my desk, and you can spend considerable amounts of money on much larger salt lamps. And there are varying degrees of quality depending on where they come from. Now, I'm not an expert in exactly where each one and which one's better. But I do know this. I do know that if you set up a salt lamp, first of all, you'll notice that over time it does perspire. So if you don't want it 
kind of leaking its salty residue onto your onto your table, well, be warned because it does breathe essentially. It does it does interact just like metals do with with oxygen, and so there's a there there's a known level of interaction it has to clean the air to to basically give off its its structure energetically to the environment. Now there's there's a couple of things that I prefer to look at with a salt lamp, and that is when you come home in the evening, are you turning overhead lights on? Because those overhead lights are mimicking the sunrise and sunset. And if you're coming home at night, it should be sunset, not sunrise. So I I was initially attracted to the the salt lamp for its ambiance and its low light settings because I just felt more relaxed. And again, like I I had been really curious about creating a space that really nourished me and helped me flourish. And and I the salt lamp was just one that kept showing up. And I think at one time uh, I did gift a few because I was moving. So I remember at my max I had a, at least 15 salt lamps across my, my my apartment settings. But but even you know Himalayan salt may be one mineral that that you find of interest, but even selenite. Selenite's a beautiful looking white crystal or mineral, and and it it really is a good like I have them actually surrounding me in my office right now, and it it gives off a, another message in regards to prosperity and challenges and and the stuff like that. So I feel like if we can tap into some of the more subtle energy properties that nature has provided us it connects us back to really what we are. So, you know, you go outside, you put your bare feet on the earth. Well, you know, clearly that feels great. You can't always do that unless you're at a point where bracing for snow and, and ice is in your health health department or, or you're, you're at that point. So yeah, salt lamps are just a really neat, neat way to bring some of that ambiance and energy into your living space. And what about the feng shui? Because I know that's something that I haven't really explored, but I know that a lot of people believe in it, the, the way you, where you put your bed or where you put may, maybe a picture or something in your living room. What's the, what's the science behind that? Is it, is it all energy? It, it is really, it's the aspect of flow that governs our living space. You know, I, I've yet to jump into a full program to learn it from tooth and nail, but I do know there's a lot of wonderful ways you can learn, read, study, and and just apply it. Like even understanding the different guas in your home, and these these are cross-sectional squares that make up a living space. And it, it's one of those things where once you understand the layout of the gua, you can overlay it on top of your home or your condo. And then best best approach your living space with this ancient energy form in mind. I have seen dramatic changes by simply shifting the the flow of my home. I mean, I'll give you an example. It's often known to to provide benefit by even moving your bed and your headboard away from the wall. A lot of people put things up hard against the wall and by pulling it away, you clearly allow allow a more flowing and free state to to go around your your living appliances or your your furniture. So that that definitely helps for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you this question before, because there was something that came up when you were talking earlier. But when we talk about the swung feng shui, I, I think about clutter, because you mentioned having that space. But what what happens when we have a lot of clutter around it? Because I can't I can't stand clutter. Oh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. So I don't know. We, we have this thing that we have to have everything in this kind of natural order. But one thing that bothers me is clutter. I'm the type of person that I have to clean up even before the interview. I have to clean off my desk before I do an interview. I don't know if that's uh, a little too much, but what is it about clutter? And do you work with people and kind of tell them, Hey, you need to maybe clear this clutter you know, from your home, if they do have it? Well, great, great question, Darren. So <laughs> clutter is an interesting one, and it, it impacts me on a very personal level. Um, I don't know if my parents are listening. They're probably not. <laughs> but uh, but my, um, my, my raising, um, I was the guy that really enjoyed vacuuming and cleaning up because it just felt good. And I suffered seasonal allergies, and we had a couple of dogs. So I really enjoyed cleaning up at an early age. And I just noticed that some people seem to have cleaner spaces than others. And I felt better in some places than others. So I actually started studying clutter to figure out what it is that makes clutter so so much of, a, of an interesting topic. And it's really this. Energetically, we have attachments to the experiences in our life. So if you're holding on to things like maybe it's a, um, a wardrobe, maybe there's an entire wardrobe that you wore during a job and that job ended with a firing. Uh, or, you know, maybe there's some clothing you got from, a, from an ex and you've never worn it. I think the best thing to look at is, you know, is this item something I'm using? How does it make me feel? And is it really necessary? Because again, like clutter also impacts this, this state of flow that, that we're touching on here. So, but there's a whole science of clutter now where people that tend to have cluttered spaces tend to have cluttered lives. They have trouble being more clear. They have trouble getting over the past and living in the present. I'm not for any way and trying to criticize, but I know when when there were times when life was quite a bit more chaotic, I noticed that I had started accumulating things and I started getting into a more regular routine around purging my space. And that would lift the air, the feeling, all of a sudden my sleep. Like so it's it's one thing to read, it's another thing to try it and experience it. And, and play with it because, you know, it's, it, it really becomes exciting if you can start making these changes on your own and you don't have to always hire out for someone. And, and that's kind of where, you know, uh, that's where I come in. And, and I love just seeing people do it for themselves, creating their own action plans and, and figuring out what's going to be best for them. You mentioned earlier that you noticed that you started feeling better when you were away from home. How did you tune into that? Because I think that a lot of people aren't in, in, in tune. They just seem to be going through this day-to-day -day thing and we can get used to the monotony. But how did you really tune in and say, hey, you know what? I'm feeling better 
when I leave home. So there must be something in my home that's creating whatever, you know, this illness or whatever I'm going through at this point. Okay, so this is going to be an answer that you might not expect. And it, take it for what it is, but I, I stayed present with my symptoms. And what I mean by that is there were a number of times during my breathing and, and health downfall that, you know, the odd time I would check in with my doctor to see if he could think of anything. And I had gone to other specialists and they couldn't see it. You know, I was offered a lot of things to try. And, and I knew that reducing my symptoms would be wonderful. But I also felt this urge to, to just stop. Because I felt like if, if I start feeling better, but I don't address what's actually the root cause of why I don't feel well, I might be in for a real ride here. And it, it's not going to turn out the way that I want. So I, I don't recommend this because I, I do have this tenacious go hard, like let's, let's call it stubborn on the Taurus side of things. But at the same time, I just want to be, I want to be honest and humble and realistic but I was present with my misery for a number of years. And I tried my best through the learning, through the training to figure it out. And it had progressed so badly that it, it, it really, it really peaked this one particular night in October, a number of years ago, four years or so ago. And I remember not being able to sleep an ounce the entire night. I was sitting upright. I was wheezing, difficulty breathing. If you had asked me to hold my breath for five seconds, I probably wouldn't have been able to even close my mouth for a, a second or two. It was very extreme. I was a mouth breather. All that understanding and training came later as, as I retrained myself. But it was so painful and, and full of discomfort, heaving on my chest, and, and something just was way off. Nobody could help me that I remember leaving that morning and getting into a car with my older brother and he drove and he could hear me heaving and doing my quick raspy tones. And he, he could tell, he could tell, he's like, wow, it's this, this must be bad. And I said, yeah, let's just keep going. We're, we got, we got to go. We're on a road trip, a business trip. And I noticed within five to 10 minutes that there was the most, nominal 5% to 10% of my tightness or wheezing or difficulty breathing going down. Enough that I just sat there for a minute and I said, wait a second. And it went down a little more. And I thought to myself, wait a sec, it's gotta be, and it just dawned on me, it's gotta be the house. So there's a couple things that enter into this. If you're too busy with the television on or always engaged on social media, it's really hard to listen to yourself. So if you can start checking in on how you feel, you'll actually have the most powerful radar or sensor on the planet. It's the active feeling. You know, they're now, they've already discovered that we have a second brain. It's hidden in our gut and you can tap into that and you start to feel that visceral instinct that our ancestors survived and thrived on, that becomes your tool and that's that tool that something's not right. And then by changing and adapting, altering 
your living space or your your life essentially because that's what this is about you can start to notice those changes i mean just because a doctor says well you know your levels are better okay so that's that's great but how do you feel because how do you feel is the true indicator of what you're going to do in the world and i think that's just a great way way to market you're talking about breathing and breathing makes me think about air. And I remember on your lecture, you talked about air quality. How important is our air quality in our homes? And also with that, I remember early in the conversation, you talked about pets. Are pets a hindrance when it comes to, to our air quality? Because I have a dog. For someone out there who may just have a dog and they are having bouts with wheezing and other things and just the air quality in the home, how does what should they do with, with all that? Well, first of all, I have a furry little friend. His name is Henley. He's 13 months old. He's a rescue puppy. And I in no way encourage the misunderstanding, if anyone ever wants to take me for that, that we're supposed to get rid of our pets because I'm going to focus on pets for a sec. Often, animals are one of the primary factors of our healing. For people that have a cat or cats or dogs, they're there for you even when times are tough. Dogs, for, for the dog lovers out there, they know what I'm talking about. So in no way would I ever suggest you remove an animal from your home if, if this animal means a lot to you. Now, I mean, that's sort of a, a, an oxymoron because the animal clearly means something, otherwise you wouldn't have it. Now, the point is this. If... If you look at if you look at your life as a bunch of buckets and those buckets are filling up, call one bucket your you know your liver, another bucket your your breathing apparatus, and, and another bucket say your brain. Over time, the buckets get full. And if you're dealing with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, or it may not even be a breathing issue, but if you're adding in a little bit into each of those buckets and you haven't emptied them by addressing your root causes. I mean, moving your dogs out of your bedroom, yeah, I, I would recommend your the dog's bed should be at least washed and not in your bedroom. Well, I've seen a lot of a lot of patients, you know, have living conditions where the dogs tend to have priority over themselves. So we want to just make sure we're, we're cleaning up if, if there's hair, especially if a, an animal's living on furniture that acts as a sponge, like a fabric, that fabric holds on to all of their bacteria. They're not, they're not going to a bidet after, after the bathroom and wiping themselves clean. So, you know, it, it goes from the animal to your carpets to your furniture as well. So is air quality important? Well, it's actually more important than food or water. So I think that answers that. I mean, you probably, Darren, heard of the rule of three. You can go, they say on average, three minutes at most for, for most people, unless you're clearly, you know, uh, you have a higher level of training, three minutes without air, three days without water. And then, you know, in some cases, three weeks for, for those that have done fasting and clearly look at the scholars of our past in, say, ancient Egypt that you can go without food for clearly three weeks. So air is is very important and the quality of the air will, will ultimately dictate the quality of your health. Is the quality of air different from 
for different places. What I mean by that is that I live here in Florida, which we seem to have an abundance of, of good air, hot air at times, but we do seem to have an abundance of good air. What I noticed earlier this year, I had to travel to California for work, and I noticed that instantly coming off the plane in Los Angeles, my nose started to, to be stopped up, and it continued until... I got back to Florida. I stayed out there maybe about two weeks and I got back to Florida and I'm just, I just was just wondering if my body wasn't used to that quality of air and can from going from one space to another space or one state to another state affect us when it comes to air quality? Well, a, a great question. It's, it's not the first time that I've, I've, uh, have had this question asked or, or discussed this idea, but want to know what's really behind it. Where, are the large agricultural and and farming industries located? It's Cali actually yeah, California. And I was actually California, in nor yes. Northern California. Yeah, they consider California to be one of the dirtiest places there is. Now, don't get me wrong. I love California. Beautiful. My one of my favorite spots. I love San Diego. I love that hot hot weather. But when you see a dark cloud covering the you know the valley and asthma allergies have gone up. A lot of people think that somehow it comes from automobiles or it comes from factories. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the biggest environmental challenge we're facing is coming from agriculture. They're spraying gallons and tubs and tons of products on plants. And then here it is, if you're ready for this, there's actually rows and rows of plastic that, that, that are placed along these fields to provide uh, support and structure and certain resistance qualities to the agriculture. And so then all these, all these like speed bumps and rows and rows of plastic get covered in these toxins. And then what do they do with the, the plastics that are covered in toxins? They burn them. And this is one of the biggest issues that nobody's talking about. And that's why California has seen a huge increase in breathing-related challenges, breathing issues, allergies, asthma, even just, you name it, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, the rheumatoid. I mean, it's just, it's nonstop, but that's, that's an example there. Yeah. What can someone do? who wants to maybe, if they're in their home, if their air is not good quality, what might you recommend for them? Well, you know, first off, if, if you're fortunate enough to be able to purchase a home, I guess you should start there is, you know, choose a place that is well positioned first and foremost. I know that's not always going to be possible. Like let's say you're renting and, you know, you move into a place with fresh paint and, and carpets, well, I guess you're sort of going to have to do your best. But there's a number of things you can do to increase the air quality in, in your living space. Essential oils, really big one. But again, essential oils that are, are internally appropriated. Not all essential oils are created the same. So you want to make sure that the, the one you choose is going to be appropriate for internal use since that's essentially what you're doing through inhalation. I would start by first checking in and seeing like what in my home might be giving off something. Now, 
So the, the first area inside the home is, do you have any gas appliances? That's a huge one. I actually had a, a client who felt like she had gone downhill so fast, so quickly, and didn't understand it. She, she couldn't sleep, foggy, pain, etc. And And through the process, we discovered that actually she had a gas leak. One that could have been, it could have turned out to be a lot worse than just, you know, something she was breathing. It could have taken a more explosive force. So again, looking at the things in your home and figuring out, okay, wait a second, my dog has been on that large carpet, that area rug for the last five years, coming inside and outside, turn that carpet over and watch what happens. I've gone into homes where they have these beautiful area rugs near the front door or even the the long hallway rugs, turn them over and, and take a look at how many of them are black. There is so much opportunity for moisture-rich mold to grow in the presence of a substrate. And in this case, it'd be carpet fibers. So just being familiar, I mean, if, if you're gonna paint, you know, low VOC, air at your home, a low VOC is volatile organic compounds. And these paints are now available because people demand it. Consumerism dictates what's available. And if you stop supporting the products and the brands that are taking away health, you'll be investing in future generations, period. Yeah, you got to do that and vote with your dollars. Going back to carpets, I wanted to ask you this. Do you recommend a change of carpet? You, you've mentioned five years. When do you recommend changing a carpet? If you've had the same carpet, for, and I know people who've done this, they have the same carpet as long as they lived in their home and they never change anything. What kind of health problems might that present? And what would you recommend in them changing that? Oh, you, you again, you might be caught off. Um, my response is, the best, the most suitable um, conversation to have about carpets is is no carpets. Now, if you have a rug that, you know, your grandmother gave it to you, it means everything. Well, okay, so let's make sure that's not in your bedroom where you spend the majority of your time to regenerate, repair, and that sort of thing. And no, I would not get a carpet cleaning company to come in and clean it. Just, just let's let's put that out there because you're using insecticides, herbicide, fungicides. They're using so many chemicals that you can actually see somebody's health deteriorate after doing a carpet cleaning. That's a really dramatic interaction. When it comes to carpets, I'll give you an example. Even one of the other uh, breathing team members in this Buteco method, he would actually he wouldn't even work with someone unless they got rid of all the carpets like wow. that that might seem extreme but if, if you're dealing with something especially a breathing issue but but anything in particular i mean the carpets are a beautiful place for things to hibernate and rest and yeah that that would be my take if you are a carpet lover and you want me to address the idea that we should replace them well okay so make sure you get something that has a, a much higher natural quality. I mean, do you go get a synthetic or do you go get a high quality wool? Well, make sure you vacuum the wool because those fibers 
they'll be in your air and they'll be airborne in no time. And watch what happens. I mean, I've, I've dabbled with the synthetics because they looked amazing before I, I kind of checked in and knew better. Then I, mo- I moved into the wools, and then I actually got into the sheepskin and the animal furs. And each one of them, they all carry their own allergenic properties. But again, just like mold or anything else, guys, um, the key here is the bucket overfilling. If you're if you're feeling good and and you don't even know what I'm talking about in terms of having a health challenge, then go ahead and enjoy your carpet. But if you're dealing with something, you know, I'm not saying the carpet is the root cause of your health challenge, but if you want to make three steps forward and instead of taking two steps back, maybe you only have one step back. Uh, let's let's get really you know focused on what's going to move things forward as quickly as possible. What I'm wondering is, as I'm listening to you is you go in and you do these consults for people to make their home a little bit more holistic, but is it usually because one or two people are sick or is it a whole family that gets ill? How does that, how does that play out? And what's the most extreme case that you've seen? Yeah. So I would say what I'm seeing a lot more of are people that actually aren't sick. People that feel that there's gotta be something more. I find like, like, go-getters and high performers, people that are really trying their best to make a difference in their lives and their families, they want as many tools as possible. And, and they want to know if there's something they can do to upgrade their experience. And that really is what this all comes down to Darren is that we have a crisis and it's associated with living. That's all there is to it. It's about living. It's not about, it's not about health and disease. We have a living crisis. And the symptoms and the conditions are a side effect. Now, that doesn't always mean just your home. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the home is the only uh, area we should focus on, but part of living would be the things you eat, the people you're around, et cetera, your lifestyle, your environment. So I do see a fair number of very supportive couples where, you know, the wife has been sick for some time and the husband's all in and really excited and gets on board. And I also see families where young children are having strep and other uh, early immune dysfunction uh, signs um, at an age where the parents are a little shocked and doctors are a little confused. So y- y- we just want to we just want to make sure we're you know our magnifying glass is clear and we're investigating how we're living and. You know, the I guess it comes down to this is that things have changed so much, but they've been slowly changing over so many years. That I don't think we really realize what things have looked or how far things have come 50 and 100 years ago. So worst case scenario, I, I would say one, one of the toughest ones when you see an entire home sick and and it actually, and you have like a, a leaky bathroom, which was not discovered till much later, but by that point it had already completely infected a laundry room. And now we know why the sun also started showing signs, but, but check in here, let's not blame Mr. Mold because he's not the only guy showing up to the toxin party. This particular individual, both of them in the household spent a lot of time on golf courses. So again, going back to the bucket analogy, Darren, you know, where are you spending your time? 
you know, the home may be one place, but you know, I also get called out to check in or to do a call via the office. Where do we spend our time? What about the automobile? You know, oh, I go golfing or I work on a golf course. Well, you know, stop golfing around and, and get serious. And I'm not saying you should quit your job. Like, I know we got to do what we got to do, but we also have to make sure we're cleansing right, we're building our immune system up, and we're taking the steps, the precautionary steps to build up because our body's meant to handle toxins, clearly. I mean, there's a lot of people that are thriving out there in a world that is full of them. So, yeah. You mentioned that your mom was sick and bedridden and you were sick. Do you think this had something to do with that, that whole whole thing, that your home wasn't uh, what you would call a holistic home? I, I definitely think that there's a, a huge correlation to the way people feel and, and where they spend their time. Now, most of the time, that would be the home unless you're lucky enough to, to travel and maybe travels the drain and you're not home enough. In that case, yeah, I mean, uh, energetically, my family's home, it took some time to evolve. There was a fair bit of clutter and, and sort of, you know, holding on to stuff. And I know that, you know, we, we can joke about this, but if you've ever seen the movie The Shining, Mm-hmm. You know, Jack Nicholson had a beautiful hotel to stay in, but clearly he had cabin fever and he, he was, he needed to chill out. So there's also an energy that you bring to the home and you need to get that right. And so I, I do believe emotionally there was a, a huge uh, factor there for my mother's illness. She recovered in a few months, but but it was a number of factors, you know, losing family. But also uh, at that point, I discovered she had taken a bone density medication. And years later, although we had gotten her off of it to, to more go like the, you know, the coral calcium route while we were learning, you know, again, this is about 15 years ago. One of the side effects of this bone density medication was, in fact, joint pain and stiffening. So, you know, you're losing your, your some family members going through a renovation at that time, kind of a funny metaphor. We actually had gone through a kitchen reno and the kitchen was the place that had a lot of stuff. And it was always a place where we weren't allowed to, you know, like I got it, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna break something just, it's okay. I'm fine. And so there's like a heavy energy there. So when I got into my own open space and kitchen, I mean, I love cooking for for my family, especially my mom. She was a nutritionist, and and that was part of the reason I I was as healthy as I was because because of her her work in the kitchen. This is something I wanted to ask you about because I know that everybody has this, and that's Wi Fi. And you talked about on your lecture EMS. EMFs, which are electromagnetic frequencies. But what do you do with people when you work, when you're working with them? Because generally everybody in their home has internet now. If you don't have internet, then you're probably, you're probably off the grid, but everybody has it. I'm talking to you and I'm looking at my, um, my router right now. And I'm wondering, I used to turn it off. And when I can remember, if I don't fall asleep before turning it off, then I'll, It'll be there. But if I fall asleep with, if I fall asleep without turning off, I tend to worry about that. But what's, is there some type of something we can do other than turning off the way we can insulate our homes when it comes to 
Wi-Fi and these signals traveling all around. And plus, what I've noticed as well is anytime I, I just had to switch companies, and I know this is a loaded question, but what I've noticed is because I live in a cul-de-sac, I'm getting everybody else's signal as well because their Wi-Fi signal is crossing mine and we have everybody has a, a modem in their house and everybody's using the internet. So how do I kind of insulate myself from that? Mm -hmm. No, uh, it's it, it definitely is one of the more complex cases because like you could be in a room, although the Wi-Fi is unplugged, but there there could be you, your whole electrical system for the house could be running through that wall. So there's there's a number of things you can do, but I'll highly recommend this: just baby steps. I mean. Let's not get carried away. I, I know when you get into the health world and it gets exciting, you see some results, we get carried away and, and sometimes it ends up taking away from our, our mission later on. You end up spending more than you want and then you regret it. But I've noticed that people who have the most satisfying results, they just to, they just start knocking the check marks off. So if if you are going to be say around a router or a cell phone or a computer a television yeah turning them off having them on a timer turning them off completely or as david wolf also recommends turning off your entire circuitry shutting off the fuse in in your home i mean definitely don't want to turn off the freezer and fridge because then you'll have uh, you know some some bad food for for the morning but you know, apart from that, our our environment actually gives us a lot of tools. Just like how seaweeds extract radiation out of our body, and they don't actually drop radiation into us, even if we take in, say, dulse that has contamination, say, from Fukushima. The 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 home and the area surrounding the home, even if you're in a condo or an apartment, there's a lot of things you can do. So the first thing is. Look up organite, the organite pyramids and the technology that you're basically taking minerals and a lot of them are using uh, transducers and, and, and currents to basically pro basically provide a nature's backed resistor or a current. So it gives off energy at a level that let's just let's just put it this way. A bracelet just doesn't. But on that note. There's some really great minerals like shungite is an amazing absorber of toxic energies and EMFs. So shungite is uh, was discovered, I believe it's a, a meteor, uh, as a Russian discovered, if, if I'm correct, black in, in color, S-H-U-N-G-I-T-E, I believe, shungite. Yeah, I've heard of that. And, yeah, and, and organite's really cool. Like, I've, I've literally seen pyramids that are the size of a dinner plate. And to see the research that this thing clears the air above a home, so much so that it can actually go up hundreds and hundreds of feet and clear up multiple homes, this stuff's very powerful. So what I will tell you is don't go out and buy six organites and uh, pyramids and put them by your bed. We want to slowly adjust to the right type, you know, try them out, put them in your pocket, put them near you. How does it feel near your, your, your solar plexus, your gut center? Because there's going to be a profound effect. But as the example would be, I've seen a lot of these tools that I'll mention here in a sec 
going too far because if if you're coming from a place where you're fatigued and and you a lot of people have probably noticed this I did you start taking the supplement that's going to do everything and and you find out yeah it has benefit but I couldn't sleep last night because I you know I took too much of it and so it's about titration and sequencing and what that means is titration is a process of increasing dosage sequencing is let's try the shungite necklace first or the shungite stone beside me and we'll see how i feel and we'll see if that changes and then maybe i'll try an organite pyramid and that'll be near my office and that's why my office is jam-packed full of emf neutralizing things because below me is also my you know my my hydro box and all the other electrical uh, circuits that, that are are there so you can also get into with emf i also have some people that i work with for some of those more specialized cases where if we're in person and we do a full measurement and it's it's off it's just the radar is off the hook we may need to actually go in and protect the wires a lot of our our wires no longer have the same coating they once did and so they used to be shielded now we have this this crappy plastic on a lot of things whereas before they were actually they they were internally shielded so products have changed as we see with everything in our in our life from our hygiene and cleaning products to our food products but you know an extreme example Darren of EMF action would be you might have to you might have to rip down a wall and retool some of this stuff but before you even go there there's some cool stuff that um, is worth trying um, you can you can paint your room and, and there's actually EMF shielding paints available for for exactly that purpose um, we can send out the links and the connects there after the the chat and also too I mean you can earth, you can ground, go outside. Like you can build up a static charge of electromagnetic disturbances within your cells. Go outside, stick your bare feet to the earth, or even just be in nature and you're already dissipating it. I mean, you're an organism that absorbs and eliminates. Earthing products can be purchased and that can have you plugged in while you're at your computer. If you've never tried one, clearly it's worth trying. And, um, you know, you'll feel the, the benefits. I think we got a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to get into, you talked about mold a lot while we were on the interview or doing this interview. What would be some solutions to, for someone who might have some mold and they might want to clear it up? What would be something that they can use for that? Well, uh, I, it's sort of a tough one to answer in terms of, you know, do this, do that. I mean, clearly it would be great to remove it. Um, however, you know, your uncle's contracting company who builds bathrooms isn't the right guy unless he carries with him the full process, you know, quarantine, air buffering, specialized um, equipment to protect his team which means he's also going to be protecting you. But the the issue I have with everyone, and, and mold, again, mold was part of my like major final straw. The problem I have with people is they're really beefing up on mold. And in fact, mold's just part of nature. You know, things decompose. That's mold. 
and that's fungi returning things to its original state. So we're going to have to be in, in a homeostatic or, or equilibrium with this process. So the best ways to remove mold is to try and do two things. First, prevent it. Making sure moisture is not you know, showing up on, on windows and mirrors, say in your bathroom or the rest of your home. If you've had a water leak, you might want to you know, take a look at that. You know, the, the first thing before you get any further into the mold is, is run your own air sampling. And, and that's something that, that we can provide um, to anyone in North America. So you can get the lab result, then clearly know what you're dealing with. And in fact, what we do, because clearly if I'm in Toronto, I can't necessarily, unless someone, you know, flies me down to their office or their home, or there's a family with a number of homes, it's just not a cost-effective approach to, to get me always down there. So what, what I do for, for my clients is in some cases, if I'm not in your city, but we have a, a test positive for mold, I will locate the appropriate services for them and they'll have that, that discussion. Now, a lot of people say essential oils, that's really a great option diffusing essential oils but if something is really you know leaking through the walls or it's in your home you know airborne is airborne and and structure is structure the challenge with mold though is that it's often lurking beyond the visible spectrum you don't always see it i didn't see it in my bathroom it was actually behind the walls so mold's an interesting one but i mean you know a proper a proper air filtration system that has HEPA and VOC will help with the circulating air. But again, if you want to address the root cause, you you know clearly want to want to head that direction. Some of those things I mentioned. The last thing I wanted to, to ask you, Andrew, was the cleaning products. I went on and I did a little research and I found that 3.2% of the population has multiple chemical sensitivity. I had a gentleman on, he's probably one of my first podcasts I ever did. And I remember him telling me that he was actually sensitive to the ink in a book. That's how sensitive he became. But what would you recommend for people out there, especially with, with changing their cleaning products? Because what I've noticed, even I've changed my cleanup cleaning products in my home but when i go to work and i go to the bathroom at work and i can tell that they're not using things that are uh friendly to to to, to me specifically i can tell they're using a lot of strong cleaners a lot of chemical cleaners in there but what can people use to clean their homes that isn't so what quote unquote strong well, I mean, there's two ways to answer this. The first one is the more obvious. Cleaning products, read the label. If you can't pronounce it, if you don't understand it, it doesn't say an essential oil or it doesn't say something of a more natural form. You see you see alcohols and, and you know, really crazy names with ethyl, dexyl, hexane. And I mean, just look at the labels. Look at the labels. And try it. If it seems clean, great. Give it a shot. And and if something is upsetting you, like you say you go clean your windows and you've used a product that's supposed to be natural, but all of a sudden you just feel tired, remember, you just cleaned the window. So a lot of people forget what they were just doing, but yet all they're focused on is why am I tired? 
But what you might be tired as a result from is what you just did five, 10, even, you know, six hours ago. Maybe it was even the weekend prior, like say it's Monday morning and all weekend you were cleaning. Well, something has fatigued you. So the, the other, the other aspect that I think kind of mirrors up with the whole mold discussion about it being a natural process in our environment, that's clearly taken over to a much larger extent due to faulty building practices and, and, you know, much, much cheaper uh, materials that are in our homes, uh, products and otherwise, that it really comes down to us. If you need to go to work and you're going to show up and that bathroom bothers you, okay, so maybe you could talk to your manager or you could talk to the boss, talk to the janitor, or see if other people are bothered by it. Maybe not. That's the only way you're going to elicit change is by speaking up. But, but first and foremost, if you're not doing something to improve your health, that's where you should be focused on. If you're having these, I have extreme sensitivities. I'd have a speck of spicy food and my breathing and I would keel over. My breathing would go off. My, I would keel over. Now I can eat everything. I, I eat everything. I get lots of spice, lots of onion and garlic. So am I going to blame, and I know onion and garlic is completely different than a toxic cleaning product, but this is the world right now and we need to be stronger. We need to clean our, our, our house, our cellular house. So that when we go out there, you know, and you walk through a, a pharmacy or a drugstore that has the perfume section, yeah, definitely pinch your nose or, or as, as the Buteco breathing method would entail, it's called the Shopper's Drug Mart breathing um, tool. You know, basically do a couple light breathing, but use your hand over your, over your nose. So clearly this, this, is, this can go on and on in terms of looking at these products but, you know, talk to the people that are applying these products. Talk to the people around you. They're probably also wanting to speak up. Maybe you're the one that's going to change things at work. But ultimately, if you're having extreme sensitivities, you're sensitive. And I'm not saying it's your fault, but I've been there. I know what it's like. And you will get stronger one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened to the gentleman I interviewed. He actually was... On his deathbed, and he nursed himself back to health. But yeah, so you can you can overcome those sensitivities. But Andrew, it's been a blessing to have you on, man. I know you have a website. If you could tell us uh, what your website is, and if people are interested in maybe working with you, I know you're in Toronto, but you never know. It might be some multimillionaire out there who can fly you in to Florida or something. But what's well, your what's your website? You know what? You don't have to be a multimillionaire to get a little little bit of the living specialist, as as they call me. Um, my website is myholistichome.com www.myholistichome.com and I actually I can work with anybody anywhere because we offer a couple of, of options for those in person yeah you know I, I've been I've traveled to help people out on their journeys that's great or if you're local to me wonderful but I also have noticed there's a growing need for somebody to be there, seeing what you see. So I actually, as you can see on the site, I, I don't want to sell you a thing. I just want to hear about your journey and I offer a complimentary strategy call. So you can book a, a free strategy call at myholistichome.com. 
And let's just see kind of where you are, what are your needs, where are you going with this? And, and from there, we can set up uh, some consultations and those videos will actually allow me to see what you see. And I'll train you to become a detective. I mean, I don't wanna be that guy that has all the answers. I'm just learning just like you, but, I, but clearly there's some time to teach now. And people are, are waking up to the living experience that they can have. And yeah, so anywhere, anywhere that has a, a computer or a phone and we can do a video call, we can, we can make some changes. Cool. Andrew Skopik, thank you for being on Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I enjoyed it, man. Darren, my pleasure. Thanks for having, having me on. And if there's anything else uh, you need ever uh, to you and your listeners, uh, don't hesitate to uh, drop me a line. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, you bet.